0: Father God, we thank you for this beautiful evening. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful time that you have brought us together. Thank you, Lord, for blessing the weather that it has made us all to be possible of your, O Lord, this evening to receive your word, to listen to what you have to speak to us through your word. And we thank you, Father God, that as we were singing, O Lord, you call us into the waves from the shore. Wave after wave, your love crashes us, a Lord. Wave after wave. Your love tells us, Lord, that you are still there. Your promises still stand. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness in our lives, in the lives of our family members, in the lives of all the people surrounding us. Thank you, Lord, for showing us time and again that you are a good, good father. Thank you, Father God, that as we continue to study on this topic of recognizing your word, Lord, recognizing your voice, We thank you, Father God, that you personally speak to our hearts. You teach us so that we be your sheep and you are a shepherd. We will not go astray, Lord, but we will be directed by your voice alone in our lives. Thank you, Father God, for binding every distraction around us, for muting all those voices that are not from you in our lives and making us very sensitive, very attentive to your voice alone. Thank you, Father God, for your goodness, your love, and your mercy that endures forever. You make this prayer in the precious and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, how's this topic been so far? Anyone applied the filters so far? Not yet. Waiting for a redemption card. I should give a scratch card at the end of it and you'll scratch it. Oh, finally God is talking to me now. Right? So, just a quick uh, recap of all the Four, four and a half points, I will say, because I started the fifth point, one half of the fifth point, last week. So, uh, in this in this topic of recognizing the voice of God, we we learned that there are about seven filters that we can apply in our lives. To understand whether this voice indeed in my mind, in my heart, is it really coming from God or is it from something else? So we were studying on how to, uh, you know, uh, identify or define that voice of God in my life. So the first filter that we studied upon was, is this in agreement with the word of God? It is in agreement with the Bible, right? That was the first filter. Then the second filter that we read about was, does this make me more like Jesus? This thought in my head that is coming into me, does it make me more like Jesus, right? That was the second point that we discussed. Then the third one is, uh, does my church family, my community, the mature believers whom I know, do they agree with this thought in my mind, this decision that I'm taking or making? That was the third point we discussed. Then fourth, we discussed, is it consistent with the way I am shaped or is it consistent with how God has shaped me? Right. Am I really good in this? Whatever decision I'm taking and making is, am I really good in doing this? Right. So we do not want to go a certain distance and then burn out and give up and say, I can't do this anymore. Right. God will not put any desire in your heart that will burn you out, that will cause you to go away or drift you away and give up. Right. God is not that kind of a God. So that was the fourth point we discussed. And we started to discuss about the fifth point does this thought or idea does it concern my responsibility right so we were giving an introduction on to this particular uh, this uh, this particular uh, question now when it comes to this point does it concern my responsibility right so we we established in the last two sessions that god does speak to us right and i laid the foundation last week telling that god does speak to us and god also speaks to us about others as well about our friends. Maybe we are praying for our loved ones. We are praying for our near and dear ones. And God does speak to us. You know, there's this thing that this person needs to know. This person needs to do or change. But is it really my responsibility to go and tell that person? Hey, you know what? God told me this about you. Right? And they'll all panic. <gasps> what, what, what did God say? What did God say? Did God see? Did God tell you what I did yesterday? Did God tell you what I spoke to that person? Right. I was very scared. You know, this is like a, uh, <laughs> this is something very wrong, which I did when I was in school. Right. I had scored less marks in one of my midterm exams. And you know, right. By the time you go back to school, you have to take the report card and go. Otherwise, teacher is not going to allow you to sit in the class. So my father is not here. So it's safe to say this. <laughs> I, I forged his signature on my, t- uh, my report card and I went to school. I was like, oh, Jeevan, you did this. (laughs) I did it. I was really scared. If I had shown that marks, I don't know what my father would have done. It was not that bad as well, but it was not as his expectations were. So, I forged his signature and I went... Right and brother Simon, I knew brother Simon from that time. Okay, and I knew that brother Simon used to, you know, uh, God speaks to him, and he used to tell, you know, brother, this is what the Lord told me. And I was literally scared to go in this man's presence. I was like, where God will reveal this to him that I have signed my signature, my father's signature on this report card. I was really scared to go. Then once or twice I went, I dodged him, I avoided him. Then two, three times he never spoke. I was like, okay, maybe God didn't speak to him about me, about what I've done. You know, that's the kind of alarm bells that, uh, you know, hits you really hard when you do a mistake. And when you walk into the presence, you know, you're like scared, oh my God, If what if this person knows about me? What if God has exposed me to this person? Right? That's the kind of thing. But what we were trying to say is, is it really my responsibility to do that? And it's not. Simply to say, it is not. Rather, if God has spoken to you about that person, don't you think God is going to speak to that very person about his mistake? Right? God is a God who convicts. He doesn't condemn us. Right? He doesn't, tell, oh, you did this, Jeevan, you signed. Gone. I'm not going, I'm going to take you out of that school. God didn't say that. Right? But God will convict. He'll say, Jeevan, you did something wrong. You shouldn't have done that. Right? What you did was wrong. He'll expose my mistake and he'll tell you have gone wrong in this area. Right? Correct it. Don't do that again. Right? And go and confess it. Tell your father that you have done a mistake. Right? And that's the key that we need to take. When God exposes or tells me or talks to me about someone, I need to pray about that person. I need to pray and tell God, God, just as you have spoken to me about this person, about this person, whatever he's struggling with, whatever he's going through, I pray that you speak to him. I pray that that person opens his heart to receive. We were singing, right? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you, right? It was just reminding me, don't we see God each and every day? When you open this book, you read, you're seeing. We say, right, in the Angelus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? The word became flesh. Jesus became flesh, dwelt amongst us. So each time I'm opening this book, I'm reading it. I'm encountering God. I'm speaking to him. He's speaking back to me. Right? He's opened the eyes of my heart. I want to see him. I'm seeing him every day. If you are still thinking Lord, open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. He'll tell, go open the Bible first. That's enough. You will see me there and I will see you there. Right? We'll meet there. Right? In the inner room. So that's what we need to do. And that's what we started off. When we started this topic, we started off by telling, we need to start building a relationship with God. If I'm not in a relationship with God, it's just one way. I'm just talking, talking, talking to him. And uh, I'm not receiving anything. My father's just no <laughs> <good>. <laughs> I done. <laughs> There's something I need to confess to you, which I'll do later. <laughs> right? So that's that's the beauty of this this uh, this particular point. Does it concern my responsibility? Um, it doesn't. It's you're not under you're not bound by anything to go and tell. Hey, you know what? This is what God told me about you. You need to do this. No, rather pray for that person. Pray that they receive. Pray that they are, their ears are sensitive to God speaking to them. Pray that they start building a relationship with God, and that starts by them looking at us, but them looking at my relationship with God. We go away by, you know, it's it's a normal trend that we get influenced by celebrities, right? The way they dress, the way. How are they doing that? They just do something, okay? We were just uh, laughing yesterday <laughs> with Blossom. Something, you know, she is wearing a t-shirt and we were just making fun. It was uh, printed the other way around. And we were like, you know, if it was anyone else, it's a fashion mistake. But if a celebrity wears it, oh, wow, it's fashion, right? If I just, lay, if I am a lame person, if I wear something, like, hey, you don't know to read, they'll ask me. What kind of a t-shirt are you picking up, right? But if someone who's a, of a celebrity status, if he wears it or she wears it, oh, wow, it's fashion. I also need to follow that. I also need to do that, right? I'm just trying to relate to this, that if someone wants to see Christ, they have to see Christ in me first, right? So you are the one who's an ambassador for Christ, you represent Christ on this earth, right? So, when someone has to see Christ, let them see it first in me. By my, the way I speak, the way I lead my life, the way I talk to people, the way I move about, do things. People have to see Christ in me. And that should make them uh, realize or, uh, you know, make them think, hey, I I want to have something just like that person. I want to have a relationship with God just like this brother, like just like this sister. Right, and that starts with them looking my relationship with God, right? And we see one one beautiful example of um, of Peter in the book of John chapter twenty one verse twenty two. If someone can read it, John chapter twenty one. Take it from nineteen, verse nineteen. Uh,
1: eighteen.
0: Go to eighteen. Okay, yeah. Read from me.
1: Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Next. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God.
0: This is Jesus speaking to Peter, okay? Continue. No, no, go back, go back. 19. Yeah.
1: And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Next. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who had been reclining at table close to him and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? Next. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, check, check. Lord, what about this man? Next. Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me.
0: Praise God. You know, Jesus is telling Peter the kind of death he is going to undergo and how he is going to glorify God right? And uh, he points to a disciple whom Jesus loved the most. Who Jesus loved the most? Which disciple? We are reading from his book only, right? The book of John. (laughs) Jesus loved John the most. That's what it says, right? And Peter looks immediately at John and says, Lord, okay, you told me about my death. What about him? Right? When God talks to us about us, we are like, okay, you told to me about me, but what about that person? What about him? You know, we point a finger and tell, Lord, tell me about that person also. So curious we are, no? And Peter is doing the same thing, right? When God, Jesus is telling to him about his death, he looks at John and he tells, what about him? How is he going to die? I don't want to die like this alone. I want to see him also. And look what Jesus says. If it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? It's my will. What is that to you? You know, you call this the witty principle. W-I-T-T-Y. What is that to you? Witty. See, I told you, now I'm getting better. (laughs) It's witty. You know, people who are witty, you have that, right? See, Prashant is like, I am witty. Right? So, when God talks to you about someone or tells you something, right? God will ask you also, what is that to you? Or you need to ask this question to yourself, what is that to me? Right? When God is talking to me about someone else, what is that to me? You need to ask this question. And... When you do this, when you follow this witty principle, it saves you a lot of trouble. Right? saves you a lot of trouble. Rather than you going and telling, brother, you are going to die like this tomorrow. God told me this. A person, if he is supposed to live another six months, he will die tomorrow only. You know, many people they take it. Because when you add this line telling, God told me, gone. Finished. Gone. They will not go and check what God has really told about them or their life. They will tell, oh, brother told God has already spoken to brother. Gone. I'm going to go tomorrow only. But God, Jesus is telling this to us. If I want to keep Him, that is my, that is, that is up to me. What is that to you? Right? You follow me. You do what I've asked you to do. You don't worry about the rest. You don't worry about your neighbor or what I've told about that person. You do what I've asked you to do. That's what Jesus tells. That's what God the Father tells. And that's what we have to stop trying to be the Holy Spirit for someone else. Trying to be the God for someone else. You know, trying to be the mouthpiece. Right God will definitely speak to them. God will definitely speak to them, just like you. God loves them also, right God doesn't want any one of us to be left back here on earth. He wants everyone to be reconciled into His kingdom. right just Last night, we had a wonderful time of worship, praise and intercessory worship, and this is what I was sharing upon that many of us might be thinking, "What is my ministry?" right? We have a wonderful worship ministry of year. We have people who come week after week sharing the word of God. That's their ministry. But we have this question in our mind, what is my ministry? What value do I add to the kingdom of God? Many of might be thinking, Lord, how do I add value to your kingdom? By doing what? And that's what he beautifully teaches us. Not going out there, I'll just cut it short. Beautifully teaches us, when you go back home, just read on this. From Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 onwards. right? He beautifully tells us that each and every one of us has been given a ministry of reconciliation. Right? God wanted to reconcile us, to take us back into His kingdom. And He did that by sending Jesus into this world. Right? All of us had gone astray. None of us on this earth are without sin. All of us have missed the mark. We have all gone astray. We have all sinned. And that's when Jesus comes into the scene and He became a sin offering for my sins. Right? He paid the price for me, as we see out there on the cross. He paid the price for me. He became my sin offering. And through what he has done today, as we were singing in that last part, right? He opened, he opened heaven so that I could enter it. He opened heaven so that I can enter it. And that's what each and every one of us have been given this ministry of reconciliation. Now if you're thinking, what is this ministry? Just like Jesus opened the doors for you and for me, there are many out there who do not know it right and it becomes my ministry to bring people back into the kingdom of god now i'm not telling that you have to go and preach a sermon to them like we were just discussing a while ago your lifestyle itself is sufficient people see christ through you the love that you give them the way you speak to them the way you respect honor them that's how they see christ in you and that's how they are reconciled to god's kingdom right so that's what we have to do right And that's what, you know, when you when you go by the witty principle, when you are praying about someone else, God is telling, hey, you know what, I'm talking to you. Are you listening? I'm talking to you. You listen, right? If I'm telling you about a specific area, it's about you. It's not about your neighbor or anyone else, but I'm talking to you about you, right? So don't worry about your spouse. Don't worry about your children. Don't worry about your neighbor in your ministry or whom you're very close to. I will talk to them. I will set things right in their life. There's a time, there's a place for it. I will do that. But right now I'm talking to you and I want you to listen to me. That's what he says. Right? When you go by this. Just like he said to Peter over here. If I want to keep him, I'll keep him. What is that to you? You follow me. You follow my commands in my word and I'll set things right. And that's where he encourages us, you know, not to judge people, not to be judgmental. We might know the mistakes that they are doing in their lives, the sins that they are doing. But God has not ever called us to judge people. He never does it himself. He's a righteous judge. Yet he does not do it. He waits patiently, waits patiently to reconcile us back. And that's what he encourages each and every one of us to do. Don't judge people. Don't be judgmental about people or how they, how they are. Rather, love them. Love them and help them in their times. Pray for them. Get down on your knees. When you know that someone is going through a problem, get down on your knees and pray for that person. You know, there's no greater help than doing that. You know, that's the greatest thing that you can ever do. And uh, now, now this question may come to my mind. Now, you are saying that it's not my responsibility to go and tell people, but God is talking to me about this person. Yes, God does speak to us about others. And we need to follow about three basic principles when this happens. Now, first thing is, like we said, when God speaks to you about another person, get down on your knees, pray that God speaks to that person directly. And that person comes into agreement what God is speaking to that person. Okay. About his area, about his life. Right. God wants that person. God wants to build that relationship with that individual. So pray that, you know, that happens, that that person be more receptive. He opens up his heart and be more receptive to what God is speaking to him. So pray about it. Second thing is God can speak to you as a confirmation what God has already spoken to that person. This happens many a times between me and my father. We we happen to take a topic, we start discussing and it goes on, you know, I start giving him quote after quote from the Bible and then he gets like, oh my God, oh my God, this fellow, where is he taking, where is he taking? But it's happened so very often that the next day, you know, when it happens, this happens usually on Fridays, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, when we have to come for these meetings, you no, know, people can relate, right? When it's, when you have to come into the presence of the Lord, that's when the challenges and the tests are very strong. Right. And this happens, you know, usually at that time and the next day when we come for a Saturday meeting like this and when Dr. Leena is sharing or Brother Johnson is sharing, he'll be speaking on the same lines that we would have discussed. Maybe the things that he spoke to me, maybe the things I spoke to him, you know, the topic or maybe whatever they are sharing on the, the, the word of God will be related to what we have discussed. That's a sign of confirmation that, you know, indeed what we spoke, what we shared from the word of God was not us, you know, you know, making it up or, you know, speaking it out of our own feeling or something. But it was rather what we we're discussing or sharing was indeed from the word of God. God can speak to you to act as a sign of confirmation to that person, what he has already spoken to that person. Right. So you can use people to speak to them and you'll see, you know, you will go out and tell, you know, uh, hey, you know what? I was doing a study on this and this is what God was talking to me. And that person will go like, hey, you know what? I was was thinking something on the same lines and I was praying about this. You know, I thought this voice was just mine. But as you're speaking to me, it's confirming to me that, you know, this is not something that is uh, a voice, just a voice in my head. But it is indeed from God. God can speak to you. As a confirmation to a person which he has already spoken to that person. That's the second way. And the third thing is, um, I might be sharing something over here, which I am totally unaware of. But when it comes to you, you know that it is being spoken to you. Many a times it happens. We, it happens in the homilies in the church when father is talking. And you know what father is talking is actually for me. Right? It goes on. It's happened many a times. For me, in fact, it has happened many a times. You know, whatever, uh, maybe it's Brother Johnson or Dr. Lee now comes here and shares. And whatever they've been sharing, it's like God speaking and telling directly to me, this is for you. Now, they didn't come up with a prepared mind that they have to share something only for Jeevan. Right? They never come prepared like that. Or I don't come prepared to tell, okay, who's going to sit in the first time, I'm going to talk only to that person. No. God puts a, a, a word in your heart That is meant for someone out there. You don't know who that person is or what challenges that person is going through or what thing they are praying about. But as you are speaking words of encouragement of here, you know, they go like, yes, this is for me. This is something that God is convicting me about. God is confirming this to me. That's that's the third way how God uses you or speaks to you about another person. Right? So that's the checkpoint that we need to always keep in mind. Does it concern my responsibility? No. But do I have to pray for that person? Yes. Right? When God shares a word, God speaks to me, I need to do that. And God, God is a God, is really good. Right? He goes and he speaks to that person directly. He'll go and tell them, you know, this is where you need to change. This is what you need to do. And what this plan or this desire I put in your heart to start probably a ministry, a, a mission, I have put this in your heart. It's not just that you made it up. But I have put this in your. I will supply your resources. Don't worry. That how are you going to do it, right? Um, yes. And uh, we we see we see a a, a way a beautiful uh, way of how God explains this to us in the book of Romans chapter fourteen, verse ten and thirteen. Romans fourteen ten yeah
1: let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother.
0: Praise God. We, we, we were just discussing a while ago, right? When God talks to us about another person, we are not called to be judgmental. God will deal with that person in person, right? And the good news is, He will not judge us according to our standards, Right? Or each other's standards. He'll not tell, Jeevan is like this, but look at Brother Johnson, he's better than Jeevan. No. (laughs) He'll not do that. He'll judge us not according to our standards. Right? So, and that's what he calls us. He encourages us not to judge one, one another. When you get to know about that person's weakness or that downfall, let us not judge one another. Right? But pray and encourage them that they all come out of that, that affliction or that trial that they're going through. So that's the fifth point. Does it concern uh, regarding whether this whatever God is talking to me, is it really concerning my responsibility? And don't forget the witty principle. Okay? What is that to you? Okay. The next point uh, in this filter that we need to know is, is this thought or this idea, is it convicting or is it condemning me? Right? Does this thought, I just gave a brief introduction in the previous topic, but here we'll just study in detail. Does this idea or this thought, does it convict me or does it condemn me, right? So, we we can just draw a parallel between conviction, condemnation. Conviction comes from the spirit of God. Who condemns? Satan. He's an accuser. He's the father of accusation. He only accuses, right? So Satan condemns, but God convicts. Like I was just telling, if I did a mistake, if I did something wrong, the Spirit of God will expose it to me and tell me, you have done wrong in this particular area, which is not right. You need to change this part of your life. But when it comes to condemnation, this is how Satan will tell me, Jeevan, you, you did this. You are going week after week and sharing the word of God. And how did you do this? You know, God is going to be really disappointed with what you did. Condemnation. Accusing you. Right? And he does that in such a subtle way, you will never even realize it. Right? You know, the way he leads to sin is, he'll be like, do it. Everyone is doing it now. You also do. What is that? You have done such so many good things you have done in your life. One small sin, under the carpet we can push it off. No, that's how he will introduce you to your sin. Right? It's okay man. What One episode no, it's okay. Watch it. What is there in that? What are going to lose? You've done so many good things. You've seen so many. You've seen Passion of Christ hundred times. What one episode of this this thing which is filthy? It's okay. Under the carpet we'll push it. Right? So you will go ahead. You are convinced and you watch one episode. And then, at the end of the episode there's that overwhelming, you know, dark cloud over your head. And you are feeling so guilty. And you are like, oh my god, how did I do that? And Satan's voice in the very next moment, how did you do that? You, you are a child. You call yourself a child of God? You call yourself a leader? And you have done this? Shame on you. I am sure if you go in the presence of God, no, God is going to kick you out of his kingdom. Because of what you have done. That's what Satan speaks. That's the voice of Satan. But if it is God, God will tell us clearly, My son, even before you can open and watch that episode of whatever it is, he's going to tell you that's not right for you. Speaks straight into your heart. You know, there's a very uh, distinct, clear voice in your mind which is telling, No, no, this is not right. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because I know the pain that you're going to go after you do that sin. Because first of all, you will not listen. You will go away from me. Sin will... You know, this is a basic definition they taught us right from first standard. What is sin? Sin is turning away from God. So I used to think like, oh, sin? Like this and just walk away from God. But later on, I came to realize that my relationship, you know, that communication. She's laughing. She's, you know, small kids are teaching, right? You know, that's what God teaches us. God tells us when we fall in sin, my relationship with God gets distant, I'm no longer close. I can't hear his voice clearly anymore because that voice of guilt is so loud in my life. I can't hear his voice anymore. And that's exactly what, you know, Adam and Eve did. You know, they used to fellowship with God every day in the garden of Eden. They used to walk with God in the garden. Such amazing, you know, time. Evening walk, you're walking with God in the garden. But then, after they sin, they are hiding. And God is calling them. They are hiding. And finally when God calls them, where are you? They say, we are here behind. Why are you behind? Because we are naked. You know what God asks them immediately? Who told you? Who told you? I never told you about this. I never told you that this thing even existed. Nakedness, I never told you about it. You are surrounded by my glory. I never spoke this to you. And that's what he tells to you. When you say, right, Lord, I'm not worthy to come into your presence. I've done such a big mistake in my life. I don't think so. I'm worthy, Lord. And immediately God's voice should tell you, who told you that you're not worthy? Whoever told you, my son already paid the price for you. It's not about your works anymore. He has already done it all. So who told you that you're not worthy to come into my presence? Hmm. Conviction. God convicts. God convicts. It's only the, you know, the voice of the Satan that tells, you are waste man. You are not good for this. You know, Satan attacks your values. When you fall into sin, when you make a mistake, he attacks your values. But God is not that kind of a God. God convicts. He encourages and he tells, I know you have done a mistake. And that is why I knew you are going to goof up, you are going to mess it up. That's why he came, Jesus came, so that when we fall into sin, I immediately don't go into a shell and disconnect myself from God. But rather that is the moment you need to go into his presence and say, Lord, I missed the mark. And God tells you this beautifully, you know, just like he said to the woman who was being condemned, right? People wanted to stone her to death because she was having an illegal relationship with men right and they and they told we caught this woman in the act of adultery so according to the law of moses we need to stone her to death condemning and what does jesus do busy writing on the floor something in aramaic and he tells who among you has not sinned let him be the first one to throw a stone upon her okay so first the elders go then everyone go then no one is there except jesus and the woman now jesus Convicts the woman. He tells her. He makes her understand her lifestyle is not good. It's not good. He convicts her. He tells her, no one, no one condemned you over here? No one accused you? All your accusers, where are they? No one threw a stone against you? She says, no Lord. And he says, neither will I. I know you have done a mistake. I know you have been caught in a wrong act, but even I am not going to condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. We should not use this conviction of God as an excuse to keep on sinning. Oh, it's okay. I can sin. God will convict me tomorrow. Let me do another sin. No, that's not what God is telling of here. God is telling he'll expose my sin to me and he will tell me don't sin again. I'm inviting you back into my kingdom so that I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose anyone. I filled you with so much. I've invested so much in you. I don't want to lose you. I want you to rather bring glory to my kingdom, right? But if you are going to hear the voice of the enemy or the voice of Satan, he's going to snatch away everything that God has invested in you and take you to such a state you are no longer yourself. So we need to be very, very careful of what you um, what you hear when you when you miss the mark, rather than being led into a overwhelming shadow of guilt. Rather than that, you acknowledge your mistake, acknowledge the area that you have fallen and make a decision. Lord, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do that again. But rather I want to be in your presence. Right? So conviction, it exposes what's wrong and it tells me there's a need to change. There's an area in my life that I need to change. Maybe I've been doing this habitual since, for example, Keep doing it over and over. It feels feels good, feels good factor. But you know, behind, within, it's you're feeling miserable about it. But afterwards you say, what to do? It's a habit. I keep on doing the same thing again and again. And God says, there's a need for change. Right? I've exposed this area. There's a need for change. When it comes to condemnation, Satan, he attacks your values. He tells you, you're worthless. You're worthless. There's nothing good that's going to come out of you. That's what Satan says. Right? So, as we discussed, condemnation makes you feel vaguely guilty and it's just like a dark cloud over your head. You feel bad all the time saying, I'm worthless, I'm useless, I'm nothing. That's what condemn- uh, condemnation leads you to do. Doing the self-talk. Right? At one time, I was amazing. I was leading amazing praise and worship. I was leading sharing the word of God beautifully. I was doing all this wonderfully. But after I sinned, these thoughts start coming, "Oh, I'm worthless, I'm useless i'm I'm such a double uh, two-faced person. All these things that comes from the voice of condemnation when it's god's voice, He just tells, "You've done it, acknowledge it, change, move on from there right and This comes and to back this up, you can see from the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 1. God assuring us that condemnation doesn't come from him. Romans chapter 8 verse 1.
1: There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus.
0: All of us are in Christ Jesus. All of us born in Christ Jesus. So what is he saying? For those who are in Christ Jesus, what? there is no condemnation right so go by what the word of God is telling you about you right don't be confused or being misled by all these voices we do mistakes I totally agree but that shouldn't be my excuse to just drift away or go away from God and stop doing what he's asked me to do or stop doing what he's invested in me to do right so don't don't ever give the enemy even a foothold of chance to come in and say that I'm worthless. No. He is, he is no one to decide who I am in Christ. Right? Satan is no one to decide that. He has already, God has already said out there in his word, there is no condemnation for you because you are in me. And my son has paid the price for your condemnation. He's already paid the price. It's already done. So none of us are going to pay something that has already been paid for, right? Doesn't make sense. Right? Can we go to uh, Romans chapter sorry, Revelations chapter 3 verse 19. And this is what God is telling. First we established from Romans 8 verse 1 that there is no condemnation from God because for those who are in Jesus Christ. Revelations chapter 3 verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. What is he saying? Whom Those whomever I love, I will reprove. In other words, I tenderly love them and I tell them their faults and I convert and discipline, right? So be earnest and repent. When I'm telling you about the wrongs in your life, be, have the sincerity to repent, to change, to change your mind about that, to make a decision to walk away from that area. And I'm talking to you about it. Because he's repent, he's disciplining me. Why? Because he loves me. Right? He's not accusing me and telling no ticket for you in heaven. now. No. He loves me. And he wants me to be in his kingdom. That is why he's telling change. Be uh, be receptive and change. Right? And, and that's what he's giving us. Right? He's giving us a solution to our problem. God is giving a solution to my problem. Right? And uh when i am uh, when i am convicted conviction doesn't last for eternity what does it mean when i when god convicts me and i make a decision to change that's it that feeling of guilt is no more there you know i'm a new being in christ now i don't feel bad about it anymore about the mistake i have done because i have made a decision now to Pay attention to what God has told. God has exposed this area to me. And I have made a decision to change that area of my life. So when I walk away from that, I'm no longer living in that shadow or in that cloud anymore. Right? There's light shining upon me. And I don't have to be guilty anymore. Right? Whereas in condemnation, it keeps coming back, coming back, coming back. And by that coming back, my distance, my relationship with God gets farther, farther and farther. Just keeps going, drifting away. Right, and uh, you can you can relate this to an example of a courtroom, right? When someone does a mistake, they are in a courtroom. There are two stages out there, right? So first, the person who comes, who is representing you out oh, there, he comes and he tells you that uh, this is an area that uh, this person has done a mistake, right? So they put down all the points that is for you, that is against you. Then you are convicted. And then you're condemned. You're convicted for your mistake if you've done a mistake. And then you're condemned. Condemned for a sentence of uh, life term or to be hanged to death, whatever it is. When it comes to God's system of his courtroom, there are three parts. First comes the conviction. Right? He exposes, he tells, okay, this person has done this mistake. He has done this mistake. And uh, the, the feeling that I've done something wrong, I know I shouldn't have done. This comes to that conviction in God's courtroom. The second part is, there's good news over here, right? The good news is, Jesus takes my condemnation. In the courtroom, I am condemned for my mistake, right? But in God's courtroom, Jesus is condemned for my mistakes. Jesus comes over there and he tells, whatever mistake this person has done, whatever mistakes Jesus Jivan, has done, I take it upon myself. I am taking it upon myself. That's That's God's system of judgment. Jesus died on the cross because he loves me and he took away my condemnation. And the third is, when I recognize that I am forgiven, then I am set free. That's the third part. Isn't that awesome? Right? In God's courtroom. Which courtroom all of us want to be in? Amazing, no? But that's that's the thing. You acknowledge, you pay attention to what price he has paid. Right? And like I said, once you acknowledge it, that you have been forgiven, you no longer live in that guilt. You are set free. Right? That's that's the beauty of it. And uh, now, now it's up to me. God has done his work and God has exposed my area that I need to do, conviction part. Right? Now it's up to me how much time I'm going to take to repent. And that's how long that feeling is going to remain within me. If I'm going to take one week to repent, That feeling of, uh, you know, of me doing something wrong is going to be with me for one week. If I'm going to take one month, it's going to be there for a month. If I'm going to take ten years, it's going to be there for ten years. Right? But the moment I step out and I say, Lord, I'm going to do what you asked me to do, I'm set free. You know, it's not just about the wrongs we do, it's about the hurts that we carry, you know. No, those are all blessing blockers. Someone has said something, right? And we are so hurt by it, you hold on to it. Because of which, my relationship with God is so badly affected, people can't see Christ in me anymore. No matter what my prayer life is or whatever I'm doing, but that area of uh, offense in my life is stopping me from showing Christ to others. Right? And as long as I'm going to build upon that hurt, that offense and that hurt feeling, that's how I'm going to feel. I'm going to be feeling critical about that person, whoever that person is. I'm going to be, if I see that, no matter I, with my community, with my people I love, I'm just a different person. But when I see that person, we say, right, my blood is boiling. Right? No, that feeling of anger, it comes. Just like that, automatically. You don't need to be even triggered also. Right? When you just look at that if you just even some of them, if they hear their name also, it's enough. They're gone for a toss. That's how it is. And God is telling, I have done this for you already. I've paid the price. Right? When I loved you, I forgave you for your sins. I've even paid the price for even that person also. Whoever has hurt you, whoever has done, i paid the price equally for that person. Right? And if you want to experience that joy of that relationship with me, you need to forgive them Just like I have forgiven you. You have done great mistakes in your life. Haven't I forgiven you? Now don't you think you have to show the same grace to that person? And that person is not going to experience me. Or not going to know me. Because they can't see me in you. Right? So it's our responsibility to say. Lord I know this feeling is hurtful. What this person has said is hurtful. I don't deny that. Right? But what is greater? Greater that you live a life of joy with Christ, or you just be a critical person, although you have Christ in you, but you're living leading a critical life, a miserable life, just because of one part that you do not want to forgive, or you just want to do not want to let go that hurtful event. No. God wants us all to enjoy what He's already done for us. Right? He doesn't want us, He doesn't want what He has done there to go waste. Right? He's paid the price but if we are not using it don't you feel bad as parents right you'll invest so much you'll buy something and your kids don't use it right you buy a car you pay so much money and you don't use that car and after 10 years you come and see everything is rusted and gone you feel bad right now imagine how jesus is feeling huh i gave my life only for you guys but you guys can't just forgive one person i forgive over the whole of humanity for whatever you all did to me right even I don't know what sin God, Jesus paid. This is amazing, right? Even before I was born, he paid the price for my sin. He didn't even need to know what I'm going to sin, what I'm going to do. But still he made a decision to say I don't know what he's going to sin or do but still I'm ready to pay the price for this guy. Isn't that amazing? Now if Jesus has done so much is it so difficult for us to just forgive one person if he has hurt me or done something wrong in my life? This is the thing that Jesus teaches us time and again, convicting us. But if it is the enemy, the Satan, the voice will be, how can you forgive that person, man? He's done this for you. No, 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 no. You should give him, you should give him a piece of his medicine. He should also experience the pain that you have undergone. That is Satan's voice, not Jesus. Definitely not God's voice. Right? And this is how, you know, Satan works with my sins right, introduces the sin and this is how we will work, before you sin, Satan will minimize its effect and after he, after you sin, he will maximize the effect of your sin before you sin, he will tell hey, nah, it is just a simple sin, small sin what is that, small lie, what is that, white lies eh? white lies it is very white <laughs> in the light you can't see it only white lies we all do that no White lies. Hey, it's okay. One small lie. No, it's okay. You're doing it for God's kingdom. Right? After you say the lie, oh you, you, you said that lie. That's how He'll maximize the effect. Second, before you sin, he says it's no big deal. Everybody is doing it, so don't worry about it. Right? Everyone is playing PUBG. You also play. What? <laughs> one gun you're taking, you're killing one person. Virtually. Right? Not really you're taking gun and killing that guy. No. What you're going to get? Chicken you're going to get at the end of it. Or that winner winner chicken dinner. <laughs> huh? Nothing is there on your plate, but out there in the virtual world, you're getting chicken dinner. Huh? That's how we'll tell. But slowly, there's a spirit of violence that's creeping inside of me. When I see people, I want to kill that person because of what he's done. Why? Because I've allowed a spirit of violence to just get into me by playing a game of violence. It's very critical <laughs> what things we play nowadays. You know, very very easy. It's just a game. Very simple. That's how Satan will tell you. Hey, just a game and play it. It's okay. But inside of me, you know, I used to love watching horror movies. You know, horror movies. Wow, HBO nine o'clock in summer holidays, Friday night horror night, and I used to wait to watch horror movies. My God, after I watched one of the horror movies, the whole night I never slept. Why? Because in that movie there is a part where that woman's eye is uh, exposed when she she has a split personality and she becomes someone else. Okay. And only her eyes is exposed in that movie. And that night don't know for what, there is a part of the window, you know, that was, the curtain was slightly pulled and only one part of the light was on the wall. Every time I woke up in the night, I was like, oh my god, I am seeing this lady over here. I was so traumatized. Could not sleep. That's what it happens. And it looks very simple, it's just a movie, it's just one game. But inside of me, Satan is very smartly, you know, taking me away. And today we we heard from the word of God, if you guys were there, from the book of 2nd Timothy, right? The word of God saying, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love and sound mind. He's not giving me a spirit of timidity. Fear is a spirit, right? When you watch all these things. What do you feel? You are not even confident to walk in a room if the lights are switched off. I would not walk here to there if light was off. You know, that's how scared I was at one point in my life. All this got kicked out after I got to know that, you know, I am the light of the world, I am the salt of the earth. And I got to know the promises of God about me, what God has spoken to me about me. Like, oh my God, I was living in such a big lie all this time. And that's what He does. The enemy. Satan tells it's no big deal. Everyone is doing it. You also do it. Right? And after that, after you sin, he changes his voice and tell, how could you do it? And, and he'll tell you, you are, you call yourself a Christian, huh? after all this. Attacks your value. Right? So don't give in to that voice. If you're being, hearing these voices constantly that you're not worthy, you're not, uh, loud enough, you're a useless person, go and see what God is telling you. Go and see. In the book of Psalms, he's fearfully and wonderfully made you. You're called a prophet to the nations. You know, read those promises. Read those words of encouragement. Not some voice that you're hearing in your head. That's not at all of you. And that, don't ever discard that price he has paid. Right? So that's the key that we need to take about this. And that's the checkpoint. This thought in my mind, does it convict me or does it condemn me? Always check. Oh, Praise God. Last one. The last filter that I check to know whether this is the voice of God is, do I sense God's peace about this decision? Do I sense the peace of God about this thing? Now, when you're making a decision, check for yourself, am I under pressure when I'm making this decision? Do I feel overwhelmed about it? You know, that feeling of sadness. Oh, if I do that, that person, how is that person going to feel? Right? Or do I feel confused about it? Right? Think, when you're making a decision, do you fall in these categories? Are you under pressure? Are you overwhelmed? Are you confused? If these three are happening, it's not from God. It's not at all from God. It may be about anything. It may be about something you want to do for this ministry. It may be about a decision regarding your finances. It may be about uh, something that you want to do, an investment about maybe for the future of your kids or something. Maybe something that you want to do and check whether you are under too much pressure to do this, to push this thought across. Right. And if I'm constantly confused by the decision that I'm trying to make, you should know for sure that it is not from God. Because you see that uh, and it's just an indication that you're caught up within a voice of yourself. It's not God. And you can see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. Can you read that?
1: For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints.
0: See, this is what the word of God says. God is not a God of confusion. He is a God of peace. If he's put something in your heart, you will have peace in your heart about that decision or that promise. You are not under pressure to perform. You are not overwhelmed. You are not confused. Because God is not a God of confusion. That's what the word of God says. Right? And if I am confused, it's some other voice. It's not the voice of God. Right? Should I do this? Shouldn't I do this? What will people think? Loh kya kahenge? Sharma ji ka beta. All these things. Right? It's not the voice of God. There should be peace. You have peace in your heart when He speaks to you about something about some area, and this this happens, you know, most of the times. Uh, parents, especially, you know, they're feeling pressured about something they have to say their kids to do, right? As parents, do you do you like your kids to feel pressured about you, something you ask them to do? If you tell them, uh, if my brother Alfred, you tell Blanca, pick up this chair and put it on that stack. Do you want her to think like, how will I do? Which angle should I pick it up? How many feet should I walk? You don't want her to feel confused. You want her to understand what you are telling, what instruction you are giving. Take it up, go and keep it. That's what. Don't you think God loves us? Don't you think he also thinks the same way about us? When he gives us an instruction to do, he does not want us to feel confused about that instruction. Rather, he wants us to understand what he is saying and act upon it. Respond to it. That's what God wants. And that's when, when you have understanding about something... You will do it flawlessly. Happens so many times for me at work. When I am asked to do something new. No, So many. We will have 10 different meetings with 10 different people. To understand what it is. But that, that work or whatever we are going to do. Is just 10 minutes of work. And for that we will spend one week to discuss. One hour meetings. Right. No this is their task. How can we do. We don't have access. We don't have that this and all. But when we have understanding, at the end of the con- conclusion, when you have understanding about the task you need to do, like, oh, this is so simple, we will do it. Ten minutes ah, uh, we can do. I can facilitate this work. Right? When you have understanding, you have peace, you are confident to do it. When you don't have understanding, this confusion. Right? That's what we need to pray for each and every day. Lord, let me have understanding of your word. Let me understand. Let this word not confuse me. Enemy can use anything, right, to confuse. Right? He challenged Jesus also, right? And he told, throw yourself from this cliff because the word of God says that he'll put his angels charge over you to lift you up. Right? Is God going to do that? Throw you and tell, okay, jump now. I'll send my angels to pick you up. No, he's not said that in his word. Right? Be very sensitive. Be attentive to what God is speaking to you about him. And that's what it says. He's a perfect father. He wants us to understand and do the things that he has asked us to do. And the key is, as I said, you should, you, do you sense God's peace about it? Yes, it is from God. If I have a lot of confusion, if I feel pressured, it is not from God. And, uh, excuse me. Satan, Satan, you know, he, he drives us compulsively. Any of us have any OCD over here? So Sharon has. She was like, hey, I have brother. All are acting like saints. I have OCD. What is OCD? eh? Obsessive compulsive disorder. If I want the fork and the spoon to be on the left side of the table, it has to be on the left side only. It should not be on the right side. Plate has to be flipped only. Only while doing dinner it should be this way. I should put only two and a half spoons of salt because that's what the recipe told. OCDs. We have that, right? I should wear red on Monday, Tuesday I should wear green, Wednesday blue because that is how I am, (laughs) colour coding, all have that OCD and this is what satan will use for his advantage, right? Put you under pressure, oh if you put green today gone, your day is gone for a toss, today is Monday, today is red, how did you wear blue? Right? Gone. he will drive you with you know so much compulsion, you know compulsive behaviour. You're like, oh, if I do this, gone. My day is gone. For me, when I start my work, I should open all the tools in an order. That's the way I work. First one, my instant messenger tool should open, then my email should open, then excel sheet, then the ticketing tool should open. If anything goes this side, that side, gone, my day is gone for a toss. Oh god, where is this, where is this, where is that? no and i am put under so much pressure stress no, god is speaking to me right now about this thing telling me you know this is what how satan drives you at pressure under pressure at your work no if you don't start in a perfect way the entire day is gone for a toss right but god is a god who will draw you he'll not drive you but he'll draw you with compassion he knows the challenges that i'm going through at work he knows that i have opened excel sheet before the instant messenger but he will draw me with compassion until it's okay. I will blink that thing for you to see the message. It's okay, excel sheet, I will put an icon over there that you know that it is an Excel sheet. Right? That's how God is. He'll draw me with compassion. Satan will use it, he'll use my compulsive behavior to drive me crazy, to do the, you know, and because of that, I'll show it on the people around me. Right? I start yelling at people, shouting at people because things are not in order the way I want it to be in order. So everything goes for a toss around people. Some people will think, you know, what's wrong with this guy? Only one Excel sheet is open second and instant messaging tool is open first. Why is he acting mad? <laughs> right? That's how it is. That's what Satan does. He put, he makes me anxious. You know, I am that anxious feeling. Right? Oh God, what next? What next? What next? No. And let's see what the word of God says in the book of Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 to 7.
1: Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Next. Next. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.
0: Praise God. God is telling, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about it. But pray. Pray about it. Get on your knees, pray about it. Something that is overwhelming you, putting you under pressure, pray about it. Don't be anxious. Don't think, oh, what's the outcome going to be? Will I get my promotion based on this or not? Will my manager make note of this? No. God knows it. Even before you open that Excel sheet, God knew you're going to open it second. (laughs) Right? God knows that. And that's what he says. Can you go back? He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, uh, by but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what does he do when you do that? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it's not, you know, within my human understanding. That's the kind of peace of God. No one can understand that peace of God will guard your hearts, will keep you at peace. You are at a position of rest. You are not overwhelmed. You are not anxious. You are not compulsive. And you are at peace. And these are the, can we go to Proverbs 22, 17? Yeah, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 17.
1: Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your your heart to my knowledge
0: awesome so far we have heard no, the, about whatever we have studied about listening to the voice of God look what he's telling in the second part incline your ear, pay attention ok, pay attention and hear the words of the wise right, from the book of God what are you he saying, hear it just don't listen, but hear when you are hearing, you are paying attention to it you know that it is spoken to you what does he say next, and apply your heart follow it, do it when you do that There is great peace. Otherwise, you will be repulsive and God will keep telling you this is where you need to change. This is what you need to do. And these are the three things that you always need to check when it comes to this part. First, you listen and you hear to what God is saying. Second, you follow the instructions given by God. You do what he says. Third, you pass it on to others. In In another translation it says, listen to this wise advice. Follow it closely for it will do you good and you can pass it on to others. It's not just what I hear I tell others to do it. First, let me do it. Let me follow it. Let me practice it. When I do it, now with confidence I can go and tell to another person, hey bro, hey sis, when you do this, God's peace is going to rest in your heart. Right? When you skip the second part, you hear, you go say, they will also not understand what you are saying will be like, what this brother is telling. I always tell this, you know, you, you should, when you're sharing, right, with people, back it up with a testimony of how God acted in your life through that scripture. Gives more understanding to that person. They'll be able to relate to it because when they're going through the challenge, they will know, okay, this brother, this sister, this is how they or he or she overcame this particular challenge in his or her life. Now, if I also follow the same principle, the same practice, God is he's not going to be impartial right god is not a partial god he's impartial he loves everyone equally so if he has done for that brother definitely he'll do it for me also back your your sharing with the minister, with the testimony of how god worked in your life and for that to happen you first have to pass the test yourself do it yourself then with confidence you can share it with others this greater understanding this greater bonding and that person's relationship gets much stronger Right? That's the key that you have to take. And uh, as we, you know, we come to this point, you know, when um, and you ask kids, small kids, we, when you used to have our kids ministry, definitely doors are going to open for this kids ministry. Request you all to pray for it. Pray for the kids ministry. Because it's very beautiful when you see kids, right, at a younger age, building that relationship with God. Right? I I I personally you know I want to thank this one brother brother Peter Joachim Peter, okay most of y'all might be knowing him right. He was the person where I used to stay in uh, Sevanagar. Every Saturday he used to have Bible study in his house for kids. It was not just open for Christians. Huh? It was open in for Hindus. Who oh, the kids are in that road? We all used to be in his house on Saturday evening. No playing on the streets. Four o'clock to six o'clock, Uncle Peter's house, right? And he used to teach us, you know, all these, uh, like how Willie teaches the kids of here with all these uh, graphic images and all. We never had video and all that time, but books, story books we used to have. And he used to share and tell us stories about the Bible. And it used to fuel our imagination of how God is. You know, God is such a good God. God did that. God did this. This is how David, you know, killed Goliath. And all those things, you know, we started to imagine, build an imagination in our mind. And it was easy to, you know, uh, know God is there. It was easy to know that God is speaking to me. When I was a kid, as I started growing, reasoning kicked in. Why this? Why that? Why not this? Why not that? You know, doing comparisons and, you know, trying to find a loophole. Telling, Lord, why not this way? Why not that? why this why that all these things we keep doing as we keep growing up our reasoning and this is why specifically jesus tells in the bible the kingdom of god belongs to one as these these kids because they don't reason they don't you know ask for explanation you tell them they believe you know when you tell them they they believe it with their heart in it if they say if jesus said the world is round they say the world is round how do you say the world is wrong? Jesus said it. You know, kids, they say that. You know, I've, I've come across kids who say that. You know, that's how we were when we were kids. But as we grow, we have become so very reasonable with God. We keep reasoning out every time. It's hard for us to believe those promises. You know, like today in the gospel, uh, you know, as father was sharing, should have faith as a mustard seed. Well, we will look at a mustard seed and tell, this much, huh? So much faith is enough, huh? To move mountain. Such a big mountain, such a small seed. Reasoning for a kid, if you tell no, I just need this much to move a mountain. Thank you, Lord. That kid will build upon that mustard seed. Will not even think about the size of the mountain. Jesus told me size of a mustard seed. I should have faith. I'll just do that. I read this beautiful story of this kid who uh, goes to buy a miracle. You know, his uh, I don't know a brother or a sister is in the hospital. And uh, parents don't have enough funds to operate on the kid, right? And um, the doc, when the parents are talking, the doctor tells to the parent, only a miracle can save this child. You know, and this brother goes to the hospital and uh, tells the pharmacist, gives whatever money he has, some coins and everything he gives. And the, uh, the shopkeeper asks or the pharmacist, oh, what do you want? And the kid says, I want a miracle because only a miracle can save my sister. That's how the child, such an innocent child believes. He just takes the word of the doctor and goes and tells, please give me a miracle for this much of money. Right? That is how God expects us to be. As kids. You know, have a pure heart, just like a kid. When he's given a promise, hold on to it like a kid. When you make promises to kids, no, it's really difficult. Right? All the grown-up parents of here would know. Daddy, you told me that day. Huh? You told me. That's the bottom line. I don't care how you are going to do it. You told me. That's it. Yeah, you should go back to the Heavenly Father. Take the word of God. And you should tell. Abba, you told me. It's here. You told me. So if you have told me, I am not going to move from here going to hold on to this i'm going to hold on to that healing i'm going to hold on to that breakthrough i'm going to hold on to that mountain moving because you told me that is how we need to be when it comes to his promises right so and if if there is something in my life that today i'm not able to i'll just take five minutes okay I'll end this otherwise another session and Blanca will keep me from here. <laughs> she told me, "Jivan, you're not doing another session." <laughs> okay. So, um, why am I not hearing clearly from God now? As a kid, I used to hear very clearly. But what's wrong with my transmission line now that I'm not able to hear clearly? There's a lot of disturbance when I have to hear from God. It's it's just that there's sin in my life that's separating me from hearing God. Right? A while ago I was just telling what is sin? Sin is turning away from God. I go so far away I cannot hear from him anymore. That's what sin does. And it may be maybe about a relationship God is asking me to give up on. Maybe there's an addiction that or a habitual sin that I need to give up on. Right? When I make that decision to hear to his voice and act upon it my relationship and my hearing from him becomes clear now it's crystal clear. There's no disturbance anymore. You know, ask God, you know, as you go back, show me that sin in my life that is stopping me from hearing from you clearly. I used to hear from you so much, so clearly, but there's the sin in my life that is stopping me from hearing from you clearly. It's confusing, right? So show me that area, show me that particular sin where I'm going astray and not able to hear from you And when you make that decision to act upon it and walk away from that sin, right? don't be under the cloud where the enemy is going to tell. If you are going to change this, gone. People are going to expose, people are going to condemn you, people are going to point fingers. It doesn't matter. What matters is what he thinks about you. What God thinks about you in his word, that matters to you. right? People will still judge. That doesn't matter. For me what matters is what he has done for me on the cross. That's all that matters to me. When I act on that, he is just going to disappear just like that. Satan, that voices are not going to come back to you. And God is going to uphold you, lift you up. Right? That's what we all need to do. And ask, ask the Holy Spirit to show that area of your life that needs to be changed, that needs to be given up, so that my relationship with God is restored. And when I do that, when I make that confession, you know, that that makes me You know, go through these seven filters very easily. All these seven points that we discussed over these three sessions makes it very clear and distinct that I am hearing from God. You know, we can... This is the thing that we need to always set right. My relationship with God. Because I might be coming for ages to church but never have a relationship with God. I might be having a religion but not be having uh, you know... A relationship with him I can know all about God, but really, do I really know God? and if I really need to know who God is for who he is, it all starts with my relationship with him right so and this is the last scripture I'd just like to give before we close from the book of john chapter eight was forty seven eight was forty seven Whoever is of God, hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Simply to say, whoever is of God, whoever is in a relationship with God, definitely hears from God. If you are not hearing from God, it's maybe because you do not have a relationship with Him. You still do not know who God is for you. Most of them might still be looking at God as a punishing father, who is not looking at God as a loving father, a forgiving father, a merciful father. For them, God means, oh, I cannot be in his presence because of my sin. I cannot be in his presence. No. If that was the case, why would he send Jesus to reconcile us back? Right? So you start getting to know God. And if you are having this thought in your mind telling that I've never heard at all from God all my life. Get into a relationship with him. It's awesome to hear from him. It's really beautiful to hear from him what he's saying to you and it's definitely not going to lead you in any path of destruction. It's going to lead a life uh, into a land of prosperity itself when you hear from him, right? So, can we all bow down our heads, just close our eyes and for those, you know, just making a small prayer for those who are in that stage of your life where you're saying, I have never been in a relationship with God. I have not ever heard from God. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, that through this wonderful sessions, Lord, you have taught us time and again that you long, you long to talk to us. You long to speak out to us and you long for us to hear what you're speaking. Thank you, Father God, for showing those areas of my life where I need to make a change. I need to bring about a change so that that relationship with you is restored. Father, you never left me. Right from the beginning, you are always with me. You continue to be with me because that's what your promise says. You never leave me. You never forsake me, Lord. And today, if I'm not able to hear, it's maybe because of the sin in my life to which I'm not able to hear you. And today, Father, I make a decision, Lord, to come to you. I make a decision to give up on all those areas of my life that is stopping me or blocking me from hearing your voice. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the strength to give up on those areas. Maybe that addiction, maybe that that person who has hurt me. Thank you for giving me the strength to forgive that person. Because, Lord, I do not want to compromise my relationship with you because of this part of my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for that wonderful love that you have shown unto me and for reassuring me and telling me that you care for me, you love me, you you convict me And you tell me that it is better to be in your presence rather than to be away from you. Thank you, Father God, for this time and for this wonderful topic that you have taught us, including me, Lord. That how I can practically apply this in my life so that I can hear from you. And Lord, I pray for all those brothers and sisters, those who have been hearing from you, those who have been praying unto you, Lord, I pray, Lord, that as you speak to them this week, today, maybe tonight, or in the week to come, Father, I pray and I declare, Lord, that their hearts be receptive. That, Father God, that whatever you're asking me to do, I do it. I don't reason it out. I don't try to, uh, you know, negotiate with you about what I'm, whether should I do it or not. Lord, when you have spoken to me about it in my life, in your word, thank you for giving me the strength to just do it. And in everything, Lord, I thank you that your peace fills my heart. That I am no longer under pressure, I am no longer anxious, I am no longer under stress or pressure, but I am under your peace, I am under your rest when I do what you ask me to do. Thank you, Father God, for blessing every brother and sister of your who has come and received this, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that as they go back home, I thank you, Lord, that they will ponder, they will think about these things that you have spoken to them. And I thank you, Father God, that you give us the strength to apply it in our lives and to see the results of it, the fruits of it in our lives. Thank you, Father God, for your faithfulness, your goodness, your love and your mercy that endures forever. Father, we give you every praise, we give you every glory, we give you every honor. In your precious, holy and matchless name, we make this prayer, Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord.